Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Nico Sultan of Steel, the mythical man of McRae Sutherland. Nico, <laughs> how are you, my friend? The Cape Crusader of mindfulness. Uh, after that introduction, I'm just I'm just um, in a battle with my ego now, not to not to not to let my ego take over. Let it roam. Let it roam free. No, no, I'm no. Not keep it tamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are you saying there? So it's something that uh, piqued my interest. No, but it's gone. See, so I was in a battle with my ego and I couldn't retain the thought that passed through. The so. ego was too uh, distracted with all the compliments coming your way. It was, it was. Oh, that's what it was. It was, uh, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Hopefully all our listeners are uh, returning listeners. But if you're not a returning listener, welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast. Yeah, welcome for the first time if you're here. We're glad to have you. We've got a whole catalogue of over 70 episodes if you want to pick and choose ones that might be uh, relevant to you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for today, mate. I recommend just going back and starting from the start. Go back to the the metanoia and and rip through from the start. That was something I was going to actually speak to you about something before we recorded, but we might as well talk about it while we're on air. Our podcast is called Woke Blokes, right? Correct. (laughs) That's all. No. <laughs> I just wanted to confirm that's what it was wanted... called. <laughs> no, no, yep. no. All right. Good chat. It's interesting because it's like yeah, we started it and we're like, we were going to call it, what was it meant to be called first? The Men of Metanoia. The men of Metanoia. And then I couldn't get the word out properly. So we're like, let's change the name and woke blokes. And we thought that was funny. We're like, you know, that's a bit of a, you know, a piss take and it's a bit funny. Since yeah. we started though, the last couple of years, that term woke has really it's taken on a whole new meaning, hasn't it? Like there's this whole woke culture now and, you know, the I, the woke movement, which I actually don't really like at all, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't, well, I, I I like how people are coming into an awareness that they're, you know, the, the old adage that we have two lives and the second one begins when we realise we only have one. So that's what it's coming into an awakening and awareness that that there is a, a different way of living outside the typical standard norm, and so that's a that's a beautiful thing. But I, I don't like that people's egos have gotten involved and they're creating this faux wokeness. It's this, yeah. The, the, I think there's a difference between it coming into uh, a deeper understanding of. of uh, how we can live a more healthy, mindful, present, conscious, constructive life. That's a beautiful thing. I think the faux wokeness um, is for douchebags and, and people that are just wanting to try to be cool. Yeah, but it's kind of it has taken on this this new meaning now and like the woke culture is like, you know, cancel <coughs> culture and, um, you know, you can't speak about certain topics or we'll ever get gang up on people online and, and make sure they get their freedom of speech taken away and, you know, which is starting in a lot of universities in the States. Um, yeah. So what do you reckon? Should we change our name? No, we're going to, we're going to hold fast because all that'll fade away. All that'll, all that'll drop off and 
You know, everything everything comes and goes. It'll it'll be trendy for a while. And well, then, if they listen to us, they'll know. Like I'm just imagining someone now scrolling and like, oh, well, I've heard what's this podcast? What? Oh, woke blokes. Oh, yeah, that'll be this, you know, bullcrap. And and they mightn't give us a listen. Or you reckon the right people will find us and and it'll be okay. Yeah. All right, good. I think, I think well, we don't advertise, we don't promote, we don't do anything. So I think we have a very organic listenership. And it's one of your favorite so, words, isn't it? What? Organic. It happened very organically. It's come together quite organically. The friendship just blossomed organically. <laughs> it's a, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a favorite word, but I think it's, it's on high rotation in the vocabulary. It is. It's a good one, though. Well, it is. I guess it's uh, it's another way of expressing authentic. It's a, it's, a, it's there's an authenticity about it. it. It's it's not manufactured. It's not forced. It's not in being pushed. It's just it just is, and it's just happening. Spontaneously arising. Mm, like a thirteen-year-old boy getting an erection on a school bus. Yes. Just, uh... <laughs> Tucking it under the belt. <laughs> putting a school bag on top of it <laughs> Just say, by the time we get to school please be gone please be gone <laughs> like you, you got that you got that attractive girl sitting in the seat in front or you've had a crush on all year she's in her school, short school dress and you're like come on come on yeah. come on body and she said hi to you she, she, she's actually noticed you and said hi to Batted you. the eyelids a little bit yeah testosterone is just going all right i'm here i'm present <laughs> wasn't it such a funny time being a teenager oh, was. was i look back now and i'm like it was just so i was so laugh but it was so it was so serious at the time you know all these hormones just raging inside you and you're trying to fit in at school you don't want to be an outcast because in that period of life you're in your socialization phase you're like where do i fit in here what group can i align myself to at the same time you've got all the stuff with girls going on all of a sudden <laughs> girls are starting to you know mature and you're like freaking out you know did you remember like the first time in probably early high school that first girl started to get you know grow some boobies mm-hmm. yeah me too it was, oh, it was the, the, the early the early developers and you know, just I, I, not poor them, but geez, they they had it hard because through no choice of their own were they suddenly the center of attention. Yeah, and then they're in the spotlight, and all the boys are just like. There's and, a great episode of South Park. Have you seen it? The when the it's this exact thing actually. The, the I can't remember the girl's the character's name, but she. Yeah, starts developing and all the guys that they revert to like some sort of Neanderthal state and start like just grunting and pushing each other and, and vying for attention. It, it's quite funny. We stood no chance. The, the, the chemical shitstorm going on, you know, there was no chance for self-control, self-regulation. It was just, just yeah, it was, it was a weird time. But And you don't get it unless you have, I think, you know, parents that are really switched on to this kind of stuff and everything you don't kind of get a handbook of how to handle that period plus you don't really want to listen at that point you feel like you kind of you know a lot a lot more than what you do which most of us do at most points in our life but it's um yeah we haven't got like a handbook of like hey here's an instruction manual of how to manage this period of your life and so it's but we we, like now i think uh teenagers they're learning 
just being on TikTok and shit like that and trying to work out what's going on. For us, it was, you know, TV shows and, and just hearing stuff from other friends, which is a terrible source of information because they've got the same <laughs> shit going on. Yeah, let's... Um... <sighs> When you when you're back in that space, you're really operating from those three uh, amigos, the three beliefs. I must be loved and liked. Well, how do I fit in? Where are my mates? How, how do I look cool? Um, my life must be perfect, and I must look perfect, and my friendship must be perfect, and I must be seen to be cool, and I must get what I want, which is you know everything, which is completely irrational. So so yeah, we're, we've got those. We're operating off those beliefs. So the ego is just like basically. Constantly craving and then being so irrational, and then we've got these new chemicals introducing themselves into our system, and yeah, it's amazing any of us get through it alive. <laughs> <laughs> barely, we kind of barely make it, don't we? There's yeah. a few times I'm like, I don't know how I got through that, but we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, and I suppose it leads into a bit about uh, what I wanted to touch on today. I don't even know, Nick. Tell me. I'm excited. I'll talk well, about anything well, it's today. A, it's a very organic transition, right? It's just, um, it's happened. <laughs> organic and orgasmic. <laughs> all right. All right. Introduce that one. Um, so I just dropped M off at work and she, on the way there, we were just having a chat. She was telling me about this lady who came into her work yesterday and um, they were talking about masks and face rashes and everything that they have to wear because of corona and and then we're saying I, I take it off when there's no customers in store and the woman's like i oh, just take it off anyway uh you, you realize you don't actually have to wear it and i like oh yeah but it's consideration she said oh uh, and why are you wearing a mask then if you don't have to wear it to this lady and she said oh well i, I just I, I just had a nervous breakdown and it just came out of hospital yesterday um, and I was like, okay, sorry to hear. And, and so why are you wearing a mask? She goes, well, the reason I went in there was because uh, I didn't wear a mask into a supermarket and a man really had a crack at me and I just I just lost it and broke down. Um, and so she's, I'm afraid not to wear a mask in, in case I get attacked again. And it got me thinking, got me thinking. And... <laughs> what are you thinking about? Well, resiliency and and ownership, accountability, responsibility. Where's that line between we're responsible for how we feel and you know, basically, how do we exist in an imperfect world with imperfect people? I think so, you know, we were talking about being woke earlier and, and I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I, I'm booked up till mid-April, you know, it's just so interesting to see how many people are wanting to come and do the work and, and to learn how to, to operate, to, to manage themselves differently uh, and to not be so reactive to everything out there. And it's, it's, I just think it's so important for ladies or people like that woman yesterday to to learn that they're allowed to stand there and to have someone yelling and screaming and, and to let them let that all pass them by to 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 get into you know the four agreements and don't to not take it personally this is this says more about you than it says about me and 
obviously we don't want men or, or women or kids or you know, teenagers or whatever going yelling and putting other people down. Obviously, that's not ideal, but we don't live in utopia. So while there are people out there that are hurt and they're hurting other people through you know, physical or, or verbal um, interactions, there's so much that we can do to, to look after ourselves and to protect ourselves. And there's just, it's all learning. It's just things that we can learn to, to not be so deeply affected by what goes on out there. Yeah, I think um, maybe instances like that um, are an indication that someone can start to, you know, become more resilient and unpack what they need to unpack. Like we're, we're living in a time at the minute where when there's a lot of fear present in society and that creates some sort of division that creates the division of, well, I'm over here with what I believe and this person's exhibiting something different. Um, and so I'm going to lose my compassion and empathy for that person and feel like it's my right to be able to tell them off or attack them. Um, so there's two sides to it here. I'm like, you know, so I'm thinking more about the, 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 I suppose what you would call the perpetrator. It's not a great term, but it's like the, the person on the other side, just well, to the, give the, you a... just call them, call them the stimulus. They're, they're just a source of stimulus. Yeah. And everything's neutral until we interpret it mm-hmm. through our, through our filters. So this lady interpreted that stimulus through certain filters and one of those filters was taking it personally and jumping to conclusions and going to the worst case scenario. And that, that, that made her systems, you know, her sympathetic nervous system operate, her vagal nerve operate and tighten up and constrict and adrenaline and cortisol to, to be released. And, and, and she, she had a very physiological experience due to that. So yeah. she was she was in fear. Yeah, true. So that it's like at what state? So for me, I'm like that's that's someone who's probably having some sort of trauma response. So there's no there's no opportunity for someone in that moment to go, okay, let me work out that this isn't about me, and let me kind of filter this maybe in a different way, and then have my nervous system react in a different way. Somebody who's done you know, months or even years of work might be in a position and have the tools to be able to do that. But for most folk out there, and I agree more people are, you know, up for doing the work at the minute, but most people out there who aren't at that stage will go into this this trauma response where the nervous system just goes into complete activation or complete shutdown. And um, without the work behind them and the tools, there's no, there's, there's really no way of getting around that. Now that mm. can then that can then be a situation where it's like okay, I need to start to unpack that. I need to start to learn the tools and do the healing that I need to do, so that next time that happens, I can let it move through, and it may cause a slight activation or a slight shutdown. But I can get on with my life and realize that person's coming from their own their own sense of deficiency or their own anger or that kind of thing. To give you a to give you an example, so I had a story a few months ago, a friend of mine. And um, her daughter was walking in the supermarket and her daughter, uh, early 20s, I think, um, pregnant. So, you know, I think six or seven months pregnant. So clearly showing. And she was out with a friend of hers who had a little baby. And, um, and so the pregnant woman was holding her friend's baby and walking in the shops and wasn't wearing a mask. And a, a guy literally like hip and shock bumped into her intentionally and said, you know, you should be wearing a fucking mask. And um, 
she said, well, it's because of guys like you is why I don't. See, she was held down and raped and had a hand put over her mouth while that happened. So putting anything over her mouth or face caused a massive trauma response. Okay, so it's just this complete lack of empathy and compassion and understanding from people, which can cause a lot of this stuff. Now, if she then, you know, in five years, 10 years time, who knows, you know, maybe she does a bit of work and does healing and that kind of thing. And maybe number one, she can wear a mask or something if she wants to, right? But then also, you know, she can help and help herself see that when someone projects like that, it, it is more, you know, about them trying to get their anger and their issues out than it is about the person. But I think that the nervous system kind of trauma response is very, very real if someone hasn't dived quite deeply into that, which most people haven't. Well, they're, they're going to be highly sensitive and, yeah. and on the lookout for it. It's interesting listening to that story. If she can't wear a mask, but she's pregnant, if, you know, it's the, the difference between being able to have sex and fall pregnant again after a terrible experience that she had, but she can't put a mask on. So it's, you know, it's on, on a couple of different levels there. There's, there's some interesting Yeah, and I don't, I don't know her well enough to be able to kind of understand because yeah. it's thick. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. No, well, there isn't one. It's just, it's just an interesting observation, and I hope that, I hope that she's okay. Um, so... Whether it be that bloke who hip and shoulder or the or the, the bloke that um, you know yelled at this this lady and, and was the and so he was the catalyst for her to, to have a breakdown. He didn't make her do that. He was just the source of stimulus. He was the catalyst that then that then she had such a reaction to that she then and it was the same with, with my experience, I suppose. Um, you know not having the tools and resources, not having the awareness and the education and so on and so forth, moving through my life experiences and, and the, the, the traumatic ones. Um, you know, when I did my knee, all of a sudden I, I couldn't work anymore and I couldn't run and all my friends got deployed and my family were over the other side of the country. You know, there was a trauma there. It was, it was different to someone yelling at you, but it was still a trauma on some level. And, and, what was revealed is that I didn't have the internal structure in my foundation to emotionally support myself and to keep moving through those experiences. I got stuck. So I, I, I got stuck and I spiraled and I spiraled and I spiraled down. Finally, I, I reached rock bottom and went, oh shit, this isn't working for me. And thankfully I went and did the work. and got that foundation really strong and healthy so then the external scaffolding could come and go you know um and now I'm a, there's a version of me that exists that if someone stands there and yells at me you know i just sit there and i'm like wow what a wonderful display of suffering and, and because the ego is not getting triggered because the system's not getting activated uh it's eq it's emotional intelligence you know, i'm self-aware self-managing uh, I'm then socially aware and because I'm okay, I'm in a position to, to give that relationship what's required and what's required in that moment is just to go, wow, this isn't about me, this is about you and I'm, I'm, I'm in that compassion, I'm in that empathy for this person, I'm like, are you okay? Is there, is there anything you want to chat about or, or, or I can set a compassionate boundary, I can say, hey, I understand you're upset and you're taking it out on me but I'm not going to continue to allow that. There, there's... I, all of a sudden, I have options at my disposal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like so. so DVA, sorry, just quickly yeah. add to that. So, 
what what sent what was my catalyst for for breaking down was linking with the Department of Veterans Affairs. At that time, I was heavily invested in this narrative of they made me feel this way, they did this to me. You know, you can hear the deep attachment in there, the deep distortion of, of taking it personally and blaming and labeling and, and worst case scenario, like you can just massive, massive deep distortions. And coming through it and out of it and looking back at it, you go, they didn't, no one did that to me. It was just, it was just life happening. It was just, uh, uh, it was neither good nor bad. They're so, it's, it's so interesting. You know, if you line a hundred people up and, and a man walks down that line and yells at every single one of them, some people will end up in breakdown and need to go to hospital. Some people will punch that man. Some people will just sit there and smile and go, wow, all right, buddy, whatever. Everyone's going to have such a different reaction. Uh, and so it's not the stimulus. The stimulus is always the same. It's, it's your relationship with that stimulus. Yeah, we're often looking at sort of we're just projecting parts of ourselves. I do that when I do talks a bit and I say like, you're all seeing a different version. You've all got a different opinion of me and different opinion of what I'm saying. And someone might be sitting there going, oh, wow, that's amazing. This guy's great. This is what he's talking about. And then someone else will go, this guy's full of shit. I can't stand him. And it's like, who's that's, right that's there? That's me. That's me. That's who me. Do, yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and who's right there? It's like, neither of them are right. Right. There's no, no you, there, there's a saying as well, you know, you're never as good as people say you are and you're never as bad as people say you are. Um, but we can't base our self-worth and our self-esteem on the opinions of others because they're just looking at parts of themselves projected outside of themselves onto another human being. Um, it's all about interpretation. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's all down to interpretation. When I was dropping M off, the, the rear sensors were going off and she hadn't put her seatbelt on, so that was going off and that alarm. And she's like, oh, just all these, all these bells and whistles in this car, isn't there? You know, just, uh, and she said something, not negative, but she was like, oh, this is so many noises. And I, and then I, <laughs> I said, um, yeah, uh, alarm, be careful of your car. It might get, uh, it might hit something. Um, put your seatbelt on, we want you to get home safely. And she goes, oh, you're such a glass half full kind of good person, aren't you? <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that like a nervous system? It's these different alarms going off saying not safe, not safe, not safe. That's what our nervous system's doing in those moments of stress. It's just like the, totally. the, the, the sensing beepers or the put your seatbelt on. It's like take some sort of action to avoid this threat. Yeah, that way. And so a lot, of the time we're, a lot of the time we're not actually under threat. That's right. Yeah, well, we're under um, we're under, under perceived perceived. We're threat. under perceived threat, and it's also not even that. It's not even perceived threat because you know thousands of years ago it was there was threat to our physical survival, and now there's not. So it's like threat to our psychological self or our ego structure, and even then it's perceived threat. So it's like you know we find out that a couple of people at work are in a WhatsApp group without me, and all of a sudden my whole nervous system starts to go like this. I'm not being loved and liked. <laughs> I'm not being loved and liked. What are they saying about me? It, but it's the exact That's... same response as if we're in a bloody war with a rival tribe twenty thousand years ago. And so you look at mental health and physical health. If you have a body, you have physical health. If you have a mind, you have mental health. Is is the way that we sort of explain it as best we can easily and and if you know when you're young if you burn your hand on the stove ouch 
ouch, you're going to learn not to do that. And that's to keep you safe. That's, oh, that's sharp. That's hot. That's dangerous. That's a threat. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go there. But you don't, you don't then go, I'm never going to go near the stove again. You don't become dysfunctional to a degree. Yeah, yeah. There's, the, I, I heard that. The, the I heard same, that. Ex- you go. The, the, the same's happening. Then psychologically, we we bump up against something sharp, or the the burns, or that doesn't feel very nice, and and it's exactly the same reaction. It's that I need to feel safe. I'm not going to go near that person again because this is going to hurt. But there's a very it's a it's a it's a different pain. It's a it's a different. Um, you know, the body is very soft and sensitive and, and, and vulnerable. So it needs to stay away from sharp, burny, hurty things where the, <laughs> the mind... Sounds like an STD, we, a burny, hurty thing. <laughs> but the mind, this is where we can get it more resilient. We can't, we can't toughen our skin up and we don't want to toughen up in that old sort of toxic masculine way, but but we we can learn that resiliency and that creating some space between that stimulus and response and just to learn to observe it more without that mindless reaction involved yeah and there's a real distinction between knowing that a stove will burn you and fearing fire and that's what a lot of people do it's like the same with you know i'm never cooking again yeah it's like the you know the, the buddhist use the snake analogy it's like there's a there's a difference between knowing, hey, if I see a snake and I go and start patting it and cuddling it, it's going to bite me, right? There's then a difference between having, developing a fear of snakes and then I see the rope or the stick and that's a snake and I avoid that certain part because there might be a snake there. All of a sudden, the fear is actually making decisions for me in my life when it's such a, a tiny portion of it. So it's really interesting. It's just something we you're saying. Have, we, we can't have peace on earth until we have peace within ourselves. Well, co-creating the society. So, so what I really was interested in talking about today is that responsibility about that lady that, that ended up in the psych ward or the, or the the hospital, wherever she was. Where's her responsibility to herself? Where's her responsibility to to learn that resiliency, to learn how to come out of that hypersensitive, reactive nervous system and, and into a position where she can she can just, okay, buddy, it, 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 it doesn't affect her so deeply. Where, you know, he, he obviously has a responsibility and work to do, whether he does or doesn't, is out of our control. I mean, this is what this is what it comes down to. We can only control how we feel about things. We can't control what other people say or do. So if we continue to outsource our happiness, if we continue to need the world and the people within it to be a certain way and to say certain things, we're going to keep falling over. We're going to keep getting hurty burnied. So yes. <laughs> weekend at hurty burnies. Um, it's yeah, well, don't pray for an easy life, pray for the strength to endure a hard one. As you were talking earlier, yeah, it got me thinking you were talking about your experience, you know, I can relay it to mine as well. You know, I had a um, a divorce, which was kind of a catalyst to me go off the So, the divorce or the ending of that relationship was the stimulus, and then my response was to not properly deal with it and start using drugs in ridiculous amounts. 
So it's like, oh, so is it is it it's the divorce's fault or like this has happened to me, which is so silly because it's like yeah. I played at least half a role in that ending of the relationship anyway. Apparently, by someone apparently else. You, you co-create relationships. And and you know, someone else I know people who've had a divorce and it's been great for them. They felt fantastic, you know. So it's not it's not the thing, a divorce that's that's the problem here. And so for me, it's like we have this the stimulus, as you're calling it, and it causes this reaction. Now we want well, to obviously it causes a reaction if you don't have the skill set to observe. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying let's just say let's just say anything's a reaction. You can call it a response if you want, but no, I, no, they're, they're very different things. They're I know, really I know what you're different. saying, but I'm just let's just say every cause has an uh, has an effect. And so maybe someone yelling at someone, one of the effects can be having a nervous breakdown and going into hospital. Another one can be like, oh, I'm kind of brushing it off and feeling a bit sorry for that person and, or setting a compassionate boundary and getting on with your day. So it's like there's some internal and it's normally unconscious at first until we start to do a lot of the work. This unconscious reaction kind of happens. Then what I'm thinking is that then there's this there's a reaction or a response to that reaction that happened inside of us, right? So let's say now that um, I get taken to hospital because I've had a nervous breakdown, then it's kind of, I feel like it's a responsibility to go, okay, wow, that you know person yelling at me caused this complete breakdown of my nervous system and I have struggled so much. What do I do with this? And now I have some sort of response that I would ideally like to take based on that. And we want, to, we want to do that from a place of non-judgment as well, because a lot of people will really dig themselves into a deeper hole because they'll be like ashamed of the way that they reacted. They're like, well, it's, the, it's, the, it's the hurt people, hurt people thing. So someone yells at someone, someone's hurting, I yell at you, you have a nervous breakdown. And then because you're not perfect and because you're, you know, you're in this state that you don't want to be in, then you, you're hurting, so then you beat yourself up. So it's just compounding and compounding. That's right. And compounding. Instead of just saying, hey, look at this information that I have in front of me, this this but stimulus. You, you, could have done, you could have done that the first time as well. So it's... Uh, what if I didn't story. know how to do that? No, no. But I you, don't know what I don't know. But you can't then expect to do it when you become the source of stimulus and this is this is the this is where it gets awesome is that you are the biggest source of stimulus what you say think do feel that's all that's all stimulus and a lot of people don't like feeling unpleasant things sharpie burny things yeah emotionally so, sharpie burny things yeah so therefore then that you know i'm feeling sad or i'm feeling um really hurt or whatever that may be an appropriate response to have but because i have such an aversion to feeling that then they're gonna go into this well i shouldn't be feeling this i don't want to be feeling this this is fucked that i'm feeling this i'm such a loser for feeling this and then all of a sudden the initial stimulus that could have been, let's call it option A, would be to observe it if we've got the, the skill set to do it. Option B is then, all right, we're being affected by the stimulus, but now we catch ourselves and then we take care of ourselves and look after ourselves and, and learn from that experience. But most people do option C, which is be affected by the initial stimulus. Then they beat themselves up when they realize that they haven't done the the right thing and then they just whew, off they go yeah i couldn't agree more that's one of the first things we do is try and teach people uh why their nervous system reacted that way in the moment 
Okay. So that, cause once they understand they can stop beating themselves up and then we can go, okay, now there's things that you can learn and tools that we can teach you where you can start to, you know, not have those reactions and better be able to regulate your nervous system. But we're one of those for, cause I see it a lot with, you know, I'm talking about the extremes today, but a lot of sexual abuse and a lot of women don't understand why I didn't fight back. It's like, mm. I, why didn't I fucking fight? And they, they really beat themselves up for it. And once you, you can exp- capacity, they didn't have the capacity. Your nervous system went literally into a shutdown state to survive the incident. It has to dissociate, and so you can see a lot of people when you explain that, they can kind of go, "Oh, oh okay, that's yeah, why." But- why didn't I stand up for myself? Why didn't I punch him back? Why didn't I? You know, it's, yep. it's, yeah. But then, oh, but then what happens? Then oh, it can it can be it can be an issue then because then if I don't, it's like this moment where it's like. The, the person has to go, all right, I kind of understand it. Now, what do I do? What, what tools do I have to learn? What do I have to unpack? And that's ideally where we want them to be because you know, now they're a willing participant in their own life's journey of getting better at handling certain situations. But then a lot of people, unfortunately, go and get diagnosed and then their whole life becomes around trying to avoid situations that cause the breakdown and also identifying with the fact that that just happens to me because I've got A, B, C or D condition that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, they'll stick the, uh, someone will stick it, you are a victim or you are a survivor label on them. And then that's how they'll start identifying for the rest of their life. So they're not in a position where they can thrive and grow and become a better person for having been through the experience. So they get they get stuck and trapped in that thing. And so all these limiting beliefs slash glass ceilings are put in place. So they, they stop growing from the moment of that trauma, the, the, those really important self emotional self parts stop developing stop growing and and so all of a sudden 20 years later they're 62 they're still acting like a 40 year old and you're like hmm, you've got a bit of work to do yeah and that's it's not to say that this shit's like it, it's it hurts and it's hard and that's part of it but like post-traumatic stress can become post-traumatic growth Okay, but most people just stay in the stress part. And because they've got a label and a diagnosis and, and been told, you know, yeah, it's, this, is, this is your condition and your, your biochemistry and that's how you're going to react in these situations all the time, then they just stay in post-traumatic stress without any even light at the end of the tunnel of being able to get out, let alone turn it into growth. And then we'll just keep medicating the symptom, medicate the symptom, medicate the symptom. Uh, I got discharged from the army, um, severe anxiety, severe depression, PTSD, alcohol dependency disorder, sexualized violence was the, the attributor to most of that, but so was a knee injury and blah, blah, and, and I carried those labels for ages and wore those labels and identified as those labels. I didn't want to go down the medication prescribed medication paths so i prescribed myself some jack daniels and um i had a good old time doing that for a while and and you know but you, you're not trending i did this i did this thing with a client the other day did graph and and what are the x and the y is it the x the one that goes up um we get the idea well, we're okay there's <laughs> a vertical and a horizontal axis yeah so the X one pointing upwards is um, health on a scale of zero to 10. And the one running across goes, uh, is health. Uh, no, is, is age. Um, and that goes from zero to a hundred, let's say. 
And so I, I was sort of cruising along and you look at the, the worm and then all of a sudden life experience happened and then I started declining. And so my health was declining and because of the way I was treating myself, my, um, my, my timeline would have started shrinking as well because of the amount of alcohol I was putting into my system. And so I showed this client the other day, I said, you, you know, you're at a crossroads, you've got three options. You can either keep doing what you're doing and, and the health will keep going down and the age will keep shrinking, or you can start drinking a bit more responsibly and having some alcohol free days and your health might start increasing a little. Um, going past or if you stop if you stop drinking completely your health will really grow and your age growth will, will keep going a lot longer and he, he actually never stopped and, and looked at it like that he didn't a he didn't know he had options b he hadn't looked at the ripple effect of his actions and and where he was trending so it was really interesting to to watch him and he's sitting there's like you've given me a lot to think about yeah. <laughs> i'm like well great okay awesome we're very we're, we seem to be especially in our culture today very short-term thinkers it's like you know how i'm going to get through the day how am i going to get through the week most people living paycheck to paycheck it's all really you know, what am I doing this weekend? It's it's very uh, short-term thinking. So to see the impacts that our decisions are having on our life, you know, especially when you bring that that age factor into it and see that shortening, it's like, you know, how do I want to be in a year, five years? And the decisions that we make today, the decisions that we make on a daily basis are going to contribute to that. And it's like, it's then it gets hard though, because you got you got to be aware and conscious and be grateful for you doing it because that's what i have to do sometimes like i've made so many decisions that have been better for my life now and i have a great life but i have to catch myself and go all right we've got to be grateful for old ryan and all the decisions he's made the past however many years because the trap is then wow how do i what am i going to do now am i going to do this and that so it's like it's it's not the payoff that immediate gratification is i guess is what i'm saying well, it's, yeah, it's that long-term, it's, it's not that quick fix, magic one instant gratification. It's, it's, we're not chasing the dopamine, it's the serotonin, as we spoke about last last episode. But, you know, on that graph, you start adding layers that and introducing other characters to that story and to that timeline and say, all right, your grandkids, you know, you've got grandkids, you, you can have this much time with them or that much time with them. And, and I'm, I'm saying, take it with a grain of salt. We obviously, you know, Keith Richards, you know, <laughs> how long would he have not lived? He might've been dead without all that alcohol in his system. It could have pickled himself. There's always outliers. <laughs> but but let's just speak in general terms. Um, and, and yeah, you start introducing things that are, important to him and and he starts seeing seeing different options and he it's it creates a shift internally and all of a sudden he's like oh well it's reprioritizing really it's just like yeah i, I don't want to just unwind at the end of the day with a couple of scotches and a couple of wines or and, and have that little feel good or do i want to really you know get to spend a lot more days hanging out with my grandkids and playing with them yeah it's like there's this um uh, called the the dickens process i used to do it with clients a bit i think i stole it from tony robbins but it's like um called the dickens process based on charles dickens uh novel the the christmas one right 
where the <laughs> where he he gets what's the bloody that, guy's that, name? That, did he, did he Dick and Cider? The no, the <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. The, but the, the story was, you know, the, the Grinch, you know, of Christmas and no one liked him and he was greedy and then he got visited by three ghosts to try and wake him up, you know, so to speak. Um, so what you can do, yeah, you can start to use some visualization and play out these things into the future. It's like, you know, these beliefs that I have, these behaviors that I'm doing, you know, how, how have they affected my life up to this point? How are they affecting me now? And what are that, what's that going to look like in the future? And you get them to visualize looking at himself in the mirror. And I've had so many clients who are like, you know, in, in five years or 10 years, they're like, I'm alone. No one else is around me. My health is fucked. I'm so sad. I'm more lonely than what I am. And then you ask them to go 20 years in the future and they're like, I can't see it. I don't, I don't even think I'm here. And we do that because change only occurs when the discomfort of where we are becomes greater than the discomfort involved in moving. Mm. So the, most people need to be, you know, fire set up under their ass before they'll shift out. A lot of people, I'd say probably 80% of people need a catalyst for change. They need a, a near-death experience, a heart attack, they need diabetes, they need divorce or a breakdown or bankruptcy or whatever to then go, fuck, I'm not doing it properly. But what we're doing is we're we're trying to help them to change without that catalyst and and you know it's, it's helping them to become woke to a degree it's helping them into awareness helping them into understanding and then whatever decisions and choices they make from there and i said to this bloke uh, you don't have to do anything this isn't nick telling you how to live your life or what to do this is going to come from within you and whatever decision you make you have to be at peace with so if you choose to continue on the path that you're on and you don't get five, 10 more years with your grandkids, that that's cool. But as long as you're at peace with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's like, there's no real right or wrong with anything. Anyone can live any way they want. You know, that's how no, there's nothing wrong. I obviously deal with a lot of addicts. I'm like, it's nothing wrong with being a drug addict, but, but, don't fucking complain. That's that's where it gets wrong. Where it's like in five years, it's like, how did I end up here? Oh, life's so yeah. fucked. It's like, come on, come on, wake up. You know, that's why the why person is drinking. Why have I got why have I got early dementia? It's not why have I got early dementia. Why have I got liver disease? All this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you can live any way you want. Just don't complain when you get the results of that life later on that you really knew uh, were coming. That's where it gets a little bit. Everything we do, everything we do is going to bear fruit. And if you don't like the taste of that fruit, then you can't blame the chef. It's not not God or Buddha or the universe's fault. There's no, no outsourcing of blame. It's taking a responsibility that, and it's so weird. Like it's, it's so, I was thinking about the other day, we, yeah, you know, I've got these rentals, this this flesh covered the meat suit. Yeah, the meat suit. And <laughs> and we've got that and it's just a matter of like we, we treat it so poorly and so do it such a disservice, but then have this expectation that we've got to really you know expect it to live for a hundred years and to function optimally and to perform at a really high degree and it's just so unrealistic. Yeah, and then we and then we go out and you know spend thousands of dollars on our car. We bloody wax it and buff it on the weekend and shine it so it looks shiny and perfect. And then we go and just start smashing beers and doing coke that night with our body. Or we'll, we'll spend hours in the gym every week, but then we'll we'll just 
you know, operate in a way that produces dopamine and cortisol and adrenaline and all these things that harm us on, on the internal level. So that's, oh, we, we are truly strange creatures. We are strange creatures, but I think the, where, the where, where we started this conversation is like, you know, if we have those instances in our life, where you know something has caused a massive reaction in us could be a breakdown could be even something you know less than that could be you know something our spouse says that just got us just really angry you know and then it's like being able to honestly look at ourselves and go okay that's that's my anger that was my reaction you know why would that be how can i they didn't make me angry um how do i better understand that and then how do i better myself so i can react better in the future yeah, so it's semantics again, and then I know you're, but it's it's respond better in the future, not react better, because yeah. we we can, you know, so much of what we do is happens unconsciously, and we're not conscious of. But this is all I'm trying to do. You know, Victor Frankl, in between that stimulus and a space, is a response. Uh, it is a space, and that space lies our power to choose, and that choice lies our freedom. So stimulus can occur and we can sit for a minute and take a breath and think our way through it and go right where's this coming from who's this really about oh this is about them and we can mindfully deliberately consciously choose how we respond to that situation most people however are reacting mindlessly to that stimulus and just getting triggered and then all of a sudden off they go and then they're they're in their suffering in, in some degree so it is semantics, but that there is a massive difference between responding and reacting. And there is a way in which we can learn to respond mindfully, which then leaves us feeling so much better. And, uh, and, and it's like it's like any training, you know, you love the, the mental reps, Nico, but it's like we can make this an automatic behavior. Right now, for most people, it's automatic to react but then we can also make it automatic to respond by having to consciously do it over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but we talk about doing the work and, and doing the work as a side clients isn't in sessions. It's when you feel yourself turning yeah. right because you've turned right every day. It's like, hang on, I'm aware that I'm turning right and I'm aware that that's not working for me. So I'm actually going to start turning the wheel to go left instead. And that's going to feel weird. That's going to feel strange. It's going to feel uncomfortable or different. But that doesn't matter. It's just, it's important. It's, it's necessary that I go down this way because that way is not working for me. And yeah, so that's, that's essentially what MindFit is, is getting people into that awareness and getting them out of their reactive autopilot and into, into a conscious state. Yeah, and then it's like yeah, you've turned the ship to the left and all of a sudden you're like, oh, thank God for that. And you let go and the ship just automatically turns back <laughs> to the right. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I've got to do it again. And you do it again, <laughs> do it. Then it turns back I to have, the right. Have, but by the way, it's effort and repeated effort and repeated effort. You've got to takes a while to change that, uh, that that wiring that's so deeply ingrained in everyone. It does, but it's worth it. It's like when it's some people have an aversion and they're like, oh, what, I've got to... You know, focus and do this stuff every day. Yeah, like, don't you want a better a, life? I had a client. Yes, yeah, I can't be bothered. You can't be bothered having a better life. Nah, <laughs> and that's cool. Some people. That's fine. Yeah, that's this incarnation of them isn't up for doing the work, and and there's no judgment. But but once again, 
don't come running to us and complain when and don't think it's unfair when you get some illness that you have co-created because yeah. of how you've operated all these years i had a, a it amazes me that more people aren't just dropping dead in the streets because so many people struggle to breathe properly so i do, I do this exercise where i get clients to put a hand on their chest and a hand on their belly and take a deep breath in and this is this is this is what i see all the time and i'm like which hand moves the top hand all right well that means you you're breathing into the top third of your lungs the smallest part and you're just you're just trying to suck air in I'm like what we want to do is get that bottom hand moving out get the the, the um, tummy you know, expanding and contracting and so we're playing around with it and she goes oh my god i just can't do it i just i want to you know and usually it's because of asthma or it's because of anxiety or it's because of smoking there'll be something that's that's trained them to breathe inefficiently uh, and she sent me a text yesterday going oh my god i was just at the gym and i started focusing on where i was breathing into and it was mind-blowing to to realize that it was just in here and i was wondering i was getting puffed so quick and i'm wondering why i couldn't last at the gym very long and blah 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 and she said so i shifted it and it was a real struggle because she didn't have the neurological pathway to operate the diaphragm but she said i really had to work consciously to breathe in deeply and she said it was just a, a totally different experience that's awesome yeah it's just uh, the, the good thing about that is as well that so the diaphragm is like a muscle that sits on the bottom of the lungs and like nick said most people are breathing shallow in the chest and so the diaphragm muscle actually kind of contracts it's like we haven't been breathing deeply into the belly and the, so the diaphragm doesn't expand so we actually have a lower lung capacity and when you start to consciously breathe into the belly the actual diaphragm will then expand it'll go it'll get lower and so then it's, it's actually becomes easier to breathe in the belly and we have more lung capacity and that's why because singers singers have to be very very focused on their breath and singers have like i think their lung capacity is two to three times a normal person because they've trained it and their diaphragm muscle has expanded so they're able to use the full capacity of their lungs whereas most of us are just like using half of them the top half but the singers don't have an expectation that that muscle just should be working in the way that they want it to they realize they've got to do the work they've got to put yeah. they've got to put the effort in isn't there a pill i can take yeah <laughs> <laughs> is there a diaphragm expanding pill for my diaphragm contracting disorder that i have mm, yeah we'll just just we'll find that we'll get a magic wand off the internet and, and magically make you be able to do that so i think the whole thing about this this episode is is that personal responsibility you know it's 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 bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and so on and so forth no one's a really bad person people are in suffering some people there's so many unhealed start looking at people as unhealed people instead of the, through that binary black and white filter of good and bad all right so unhealed people are walking around they don't realize that they're unhealed they're going to project their suffering onto other people there's a lot of work that we can do until until we can't rely on them to do the work yeah so we're, we're, there's a lot that we can do to put ourselves in a position where we're stronger in that moment more resilient in that moment where we just go oh, i understand or you can make the appropriate decision you know um 
I um, like that term, un- unhealed, and we're all, everyone's kind of unhealed or healed to different degrees in different areas of life as well. Yes. So you can talk to people and they're fine. Then all of a sudden you bring up money and they start getting weird. Or you talk to them about money and they're fine. Then you bring up relationships and they get weird. Or, you know, a guy is fine, but also he sees someone not wearing a mask and he can't bloody handle that and he loses his shit. It's like we're all unhealed in these different areas to different degrees. But the real, just remember that the ego by nature doesn't like things that are different. It hates things that are different. It doesn't like things that aren't like it, that, that aren't familiar to it. It feels very uncomfortable and gets very reactive and very triggered by it. By, well, I'm wearing, it's, it's so important to me to wear a mask and I think everyone should wear a mask because I wear a mask. I and there's someone without a mask. Are you kidding me? Fucking crazy bitch. What are you doing with a fucking Don't mask? Don't they watch the news? You're putting oh, us all at danger. <laughs> Why isn't everyone in the close vicinity to me operating off my belief system? Why? Why isn't that happening? There was sorry, there was this you brought up a memory. There was there was a few yeah, a meme going around, but it was from an actual meeting. But they um there was this a uh, manager of a company, they were all working from home on Zoom, and he sent out before the Zoom meeting, goes, make sure you're all wearing your mask because one of the people in the meeting has developed a phobia of people who don't wear masks. So they're all on a Zoom meeting in the room by themselves or wearing masks. Wow. Wow. So, yes. This is, this is yes. where our rational fears and beliefs can, t- can take us to. But that's, you know, looking at that objectively, that, that's someone becoming, and speaking from experience, that's someone becoming highly dysfunctional. They're, they're not operating, they're not functioning optimally. They're, they're, in a literal sense, they've become dysfunctional. Yes. It's sad. It's really sad when you look at it through that lens. So it's, it's incumbent upon that person to go and do the work, to go and learn and find a, a practitioner, find a guide, find a healer, find someone who can who can not do the work for them and not stick all the labels on them, but hand, hand and throw the tools and resources down into the well that they've dug for themselves and say, you know, you got this, buddy, let's go. Start start climbing that ladder. Yeah, it's like made me like it's thinking of, you know, um, you when you couldn't, you know, open the front door and being able to look at that and going, oh, fuck, you can't open the front door and having this deep kind of compassion and empathy or when I was shaking hand, reaching for a crack pipe or something and go, oh, look at him, he's got to go do it again and start trying to kill himself and blah, blah, blah. And then it's also like, oh, look at that guy, he can't even handle someone not wearing a mask. It's like trying to be able to have that kind of attitude and that can take some work as opposed to meeting, you know, meeting adversity by trying to fight back overly or, or going into that, you know, nervous breakdowns thing. Their, their ego is heavily in the driver's seat. So when, when you come into contact with another person's ego, we don't want it to trigger your ego because then it becomes ego versus ego. And, and we want to stay in our Buddha nature, as we call it at MindFit, and stay in that compassion and that empathy. Don't get heightened, don't get triggered, don't get into this reactive, um, autopilot well fuck you buddy well fuck you buddy and all of a sudden everything's burning down it's just like all right well, what can i do in this situation i can walk away i can say yeah, okay mate yeah okay have a good day i can set a boundary i can 
you know, if, ask them if they're open to learning something new and try and educate them. There's, there's so many things we can do, but, but most people just operate in this sense of, I can't. I can't believe they fucking said this. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe that happened. Really? You can't believe that? <laughs> you, you experienced it. It happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then, then it's like then like we were talking about, then it's that next step and we don't want to get caught saying, I can't believe I reacted that way. I can't believe I didn't do something else. It's like, use it as information. Okay? It's information yeah. that happened that you are now able to respond with that information, you know, that data. So what, what's happening there is, you know, when, when we get so distorted and we look at that stimulus through the distorted lenses, we call it spaghetti brain. We can't see straight and we can't think clearly. We're in that heightened state. Yeah, when you get home later and, and, and you, you come down from that heightened state, you come out of spaghetti brain, you have a liberated mind and you start seeing things clearly again, you reflect on your behaviour and then you look at yourself through the distorted lens and you go into spaghetti brain again. <laughs> so it's just in and out of spaghetti brain, waffle brain, spaghetti brain, waffle brain. Mm, and and if, you stay in, brain. <laughs> if, you stay, if you stay in spaghetti brain, you're in suffering. And then all of a sudden you're going to have this pity party. You're going to send out all the invites and say, hey, oh, oh, fuck, I was at the shops earlier and then this bloke did this and I was like, well, fuck you. And he was like, well, fuck you. And, uh, yeah. you, you just stay drinking that soup that's, that's slowly poisoning you. All this food talk's making me hungry, Nick. Oh, you, let's, let's, let's catch up for dinner tonight. Let's wrap then. it up. I've got to go get a haircut. Nico's coming over to my joint tonight. You don't have to freshen up for me. I said to Mate, you before, you're, I'm gonna, you're I'm going to look like I'm there's booked this, in in 25 minutes for a haircut. There's there's a soft glow filter. If you if you're listening to this, go and watch it on YouTube. Maybe I'm pregnant. <laughs> okay. You said I got a glow. <laughs> you do. It's a soft glow. I think you've put Is a filter it? on though. I don't yeah. know how to put a filter on Zoom. I don't know what's going on. I just I look gorgeous, either. apparently. You do, you do. You look amazing. Can't wait you to see, get to you see me in the flesh today. Yeah, <laughs> with all the filters off. I can't be wearing a filter. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll rock up and you're like, oh. <laughs> that episode of Seinfeld where that his girlfriend has the she looks great in one light and terrible in another light. <laughs> you open the door, you're like, where's where's Hass? Who the fuck's this? <laughs> Who's this ugly cunt at the door? Uh, Come uh, in, Nick. <laughs> oh, very good. Thank you, All right, Thank people. You, listeners, take responsibility for your own happiness, please. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>